the squadron. They called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, what's going on with this uh, weather? It's it's like it's like Seattle, right? The rain all the time. What has it been? Five days of rain. Uh, I personally like it. You know, it gives me a cozy feeling. You know, you can stay inside guilt free. You know, I, uh, I sometimes as a kid wanted to stay inside more than I wanted to go outside sometimes, you know, watch TV, watch cartoons, that kind of thing. And I always felt it like it was a treat. I was always getting pushed outside. The thing is, I moved in the second grade from uh, Baldwin to Garden City. And I was like a big man on my block in Garden City, right? Even though I was seven, okay? I just had a lot of friends. I, I kind of knew it. Then I went to uh, Garden City. It was a beautiful town. The family, we did the right thing. You know, it was just, uh, anyway, I'm, we, uh, the, this is a bigger house, you know? And uh, anyway, uh, I wasn't quite the big shot anymore. And I was, <laughs> I don't know, had a little bit of trouble making new friends. And I, I, I loved kind of staying inside and and. And watching TV and even, and looking at magazines. I look to look at magazines, Time Magazine, Newsweek Magazine. It's actually how I became a little bit what I am right now, looking at a magazine. I was looking at a magazine of Richard Nixon and, um, what's his wife's name again? Patricia. And I'm looking at it. There's a picture of them. And I, and I remember everybody of Nixon. Nixon was the worst guy in the world. They were still beating up on him bad. This is what, 1977 or so, 78. And I'm like, he looks nice. And my mom was right with me. She said, he is. Or I said, they look nice. And she said, they are. And I'm like, huh. But everybody tells me he's the worst guy in the world. And um, I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of an underdog thing. Uh, I don't know. But it all worked out, and uh, it's rainy. That's what That's what I sometimes think about on a rainy day. Hey, Rudy Giuliani, ooh, they are messing with the wrong guy. You know, I am sick of people running around saying that, oh, Rudy Giuliani, you know, he he uh, he went off the deep end. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. One of the reasons why, I guess there was one interview with Chris Cuomo where he looked a little bit, you know, just beside himself, right? Just, And I totally understand why. Because Rudy Giuliani had the truth basically before anybody else, Right? I mean, people in the know knew, but he had smoking gun proof of Joe Biden's corruption. And no one will listen. Nobody wants to listen. It's almost like imagine yourself if everybody in the world thought the world was flat and you knew it was round. And every no, 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 it's not flat. You got to be no, you got to stop with the world is round. It's flat. No, stop. Mr. Mayor, stop telling us the world is round. It's flat. You're saying that with no basis. You saw him. I have all kinds of evidence. We are, that, that evidence has been debunked. We don't even want to, uh, uh, that's Russian disinformation. So you're going to go a little bit, you're going to look a little bit crazy trying to convince people of the obvious truth. And the other thing that, you know, he was going to Ukraine and places like that, stuff that the media should have been doing, but they didn't do, they refused to do. Also, they couldn't do it. They don't have the money they used to have anymore. You know, when's the last time you turned on TV and ABC News had a uh, a Moscow correspondent, right? They don't have that anymore. You know, they got one guy in London, maybe covering uh, like London, Asia, and Africa, right? <laughs> the world correspondent. They used to have a correspondence all over the place, and they had freedom and bandwidth to actually research and do stuff. 
Now it's just whatever whatever the Democrat National Committee tells them. That's it. Um, you know what you should do? Because it's like looking into, it's like a time machine. The debates from 2020, so much is said there. So I bring up Rudy because I guess, uh, what's his name? Hunter and his lawyer, Abby Lowell, the audacity to sue Rudy Giuliani saying he, he illegally hacked the computer. Well, you lost the computer. <laughs> you lost it. It says right on that little receipt at the, at the computer shop, not picked up in 90 days. Uh, the store owns the computer. The store owns all that stuff. Yes, but he had no right to actually go into the computer. Shut the hell up. It's a political campaign. All right. It's going to. And for two years, three years, what is it? Four years. They denied that it was hunters. Hunter always going around. And remember, he's been confronted a couple of times. It could be my laptop. I don't know if it's my life. It could be Russia disinformation. Right. It was. And Joe Biden looked at all of us and lied his ass off, saying it was Russia disinformation. And he was helped by the the intelligence community. And now, finally, I guess, again, there it's verified true. Why? Because Hunter, is Hunter the other fact checker? Hunter is suing Rudy Giuliani for, like, invasion of privacy. Well, um, there's a lawsuit that's coming first. And that is the lawsuit, I believe, where um, Rudy is suing Joe Biden. He might, if he hasn't already, because Joe Biden accused Rudy of being basically a Russian pawn, a Russian spy almost, right, working with the Russians. This debate is so amazing. It's so... Uh, Fascinating to go back to because no one else will. And by the way, this is hard to find. Believe it or not, this is, these clips are hard to find. You would think the national debate of 2020, right? It'll be all there, all right, all ready to go for everybody to look at. No, it's, it's hard to find. Um, you can't, you can't find the laptop clip. You, it's, it's, you gotta watch the whole damn debate to get to the laptop clip. These have all been, Shadow banned and censored by big tech doing everything that they can to protect Biden. Is there any question at all that this man can't be president, right? Everything he told us, everything was a total lie. Everything. Remember? I mean, this was going to be Mr. Empathy. He was going to be Mr. Empathy. Now he laughs at people who die from fentanyl overdose. This is going to be the wise man president because of all that experience. He doesn't even learn from his own mistakes. This man was almost chased out of Washington, D.C. for lying about being a civil rights activist. Not a civil rights activist. He actually, in 1987, had to admit that. Now he's back to saying, I was a civil rights activist. You know, I remember it was going to be the boring presidency. He was going to be boring, right? A return to boring, and that would be good for America. You look at the border. Does anybody feel bored right now? No, we're on edge. Where people are frightened. They feel the country slipping away. Um, he knows world leaders. That's something else, right? He's on such good terms with world leaders. He's going to be tough on them and, uh, they respect Joe Biden. Walked right into Ukraine by Joe's invitation. Oh, by the way, a return to normal, the shoplifting all over the place, the crime. He had not made, he has not made good on any of this stuff. And that's why I have a theory. If they stick with Joe Biden, if they are that stupid and if they are that committed to cheating all over again, you can't, you can only cheat so much. I think Donald Trump could win this thing in a landslide. 
in a landslide. Now, he's going to have to do a couple of things, Donald Trump, to make that happen. I want to go back to this debate for a moment. He does have to do a few things. Not, not particularly substantive. It's, it's the same message. And it's not even how he says it. It's to whom he says it. Do me a favor. Go to that first uh, cut from the uh, debate that we provided. Let's see here. Cut 20. No, no, no. Uh, cut 30. Cut 30. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about? China. I have not had it. The only guy made money from China is this guy. He's the only one. Nobody else has made money from China. Never President Trump, deal, deal let, me, let me ask way, my question to you. But could I just one, one thing? Very quickly. His son didn't have a job for a long time, was sadly no longer in the military service. I won't get into that. And he didn't have a job. As soon as he became vice president, Barisma, not the best look, not the best reputation in the world. I hear they paid him 183000 a month. Listen to this. 183, and they gave him a three million dollar upfront payment. All right, and he had no I, energy. I'm going to let the vice president respond to that quickly, and then dishonest. I need to get to a question to you. Very no quickly, basis for that. Everybody investigated that. No one said anything he did was wrong in Ukraine. <laughs> well, it has now been established. Seventeen million dollars came from Ukraine to the Biden uh, LLCs. Three. They've even acknowledged this. The three million. That he said he did not receive from China. He received from China. Hunter's own lawyers are admitting that. But I think here we go. Uh, it gets closer now to Rudy Giuliani. And this is actionable stuff. Let me see here. Try cut 31, please. Cut 31. Folks, we are in a situation where we have foreign company countries trying to interfere in the outcome of our election. His old, own national security advisor told him that what is happening with his buddy, well, I won't, I shouldn't, well, I will. His buddy, Rudy Giuliani, he's being used as a Russian pawn. He's being fed information that is Russian, that is not true. And then what happens? Nothing happens. And then you find out that everything that's going on here about Russia is wanting to make sure that I do not get elected the next president of the United States because they know I know them and they know me. I don't understand why this president is unwilling to take on Putin when he's actually paying bounties to kill American soldiers in Afghanistan. Um, you see what he said about Rudy? Now that's defamatory. You can say you can say a lot in America. You can um, you can say all kinds of things. However, when you knowingly say something that is false, that is defamatory, well, it's actionable. Uh, Rudy could sue and win. I mean, I think we can prove that Joe Biden knew the laptop wasn't Russia disinformation, that it was Hunter's, that everything. He's so desperate, right? Russia, 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 even after it's been totally disproven. But he's got the media on his side. You hear the moderator chirping in, right, trying to protect Joe Biden at every at every pass. Cut 32, please. My response is, look, this isn't about there's a reason why he's bringing up all this malarkey. There's a reason for it. He doesn't want to talk about the, the, the substantive issues. It's not about his family and my family. It's about your family. And your family's hurting badly. If you're making less than, if you're a middle class family, you're getting hurt badly right now. You're sitting at the kitchen table this morning deciding, well, we can't get new tires, they're bald because we have to wait another month or so. Or are we going to be able to pay the mortgage? Or who's going to tell her she can't go back to, to community college? They're the decisions you're making. And the middle class families like 
like I grew up in Scranton and Claymont. They're in trouble. We should be talking about your families, but that's the last thing he wants to talk about. I want to, is a I want to talk about North Korea. Me, I do want to second, turn to please. 10 seconds, Mr. President. That's 10 a seconds. typical political statement. Let's get off this China thing. And then he looks the family around the table, everything. Just okay. a typical politician. When I see that, let's talk I'm about not North a typical Korea. politician. Okay, That's President. why I got elected. That let's was, talk let's about, get off the subject of China. Let's talk around sitting around the table. All right. Come on, Joe, you can do better. We're going to talk. It is so true. Right. Right. That that <laughs> talk about malarkey. <sighs> People sitting around the kitchen table trying to make ends meet the budget, right? I mean, this is, look, people do that, but that is a phony, diversionary tactic. And this guy keeps talking about his middle-class roots. You know what? He got a car every year. Every year, his dad gave him a new car. Did you have that kind of arrangement when you got a driver's license? Were you? Uh, did you get one at 17, 18, 16? I got a learner's permit at 16, was it? And then the driver's license at 17. And uh, had a access to a broken down used Pontiac Phoenix, and uh, it was awesome. It was totally awesome. The freedom that they, by the way, want to take away from us. Yeah, electric cars. You know, they'll be able to hack in and say you can't drive today. No way. No way. Not happening. A landslide. It could happen. It really could happen, and it really should. Um, God has a big sense of humor. <laughs> could you imagine him winning in a landslide? I mean, could you imagine somebody getting indicted four times like President Trump and his popularity? He's beating Joe Biden by nine points. God has a wonderful sense of humor. Be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Cory Booker, U.S. Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, although he is in New York an awful lot. This is a party town. He spends a lot of time in Manhattan. Um, he just called for Menendez to resign, to step down. He says if he wants to serve the people of New Jersey like he's been serving them all his life, it's time to uh, leave the Senate not because he's guilty, but because uh, it's a distraction and you got to take this stuff head on. Hey, I will say this about Menendez. Uh, when he came out yesterday, he seemed very confident. I mean, he didn't seem remotely flustered or uh, perturbed or, or anything. Now, that could be, I don't know, he's innocent. That could be he's psychotic. Uh, that could be who knows? Who knows? I mean, that explanation about the money. And, uh, why my, my, my dad was, uh, came from Cuba and that's why we keep the money, uh, around. Um, I don't know. Um, but he does seem very kind of, uh, straightforward here. Let's, uh, real quick, one more time. Cut six, please. Cut six. For 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. Well, that doesn't really make any sense to anybody. Now, I will say this. His voice does sound slightly higher pitched, right? It's a little bit higher pitched than it normally is. Did you notice? I just said he was so confident and stuff. Now, I was looking at it. 
And when you look at it, you look, you notice things, but when you only listen to the voice, it does, he does sound a little bit. Is that nervous? Close your eyes and listen if you can. Let's listen to another cut. Cut eight. I understand how deeply concerning this can be. However, the allegations leveled against me are just that. Allegations. Hmm. That eh, sounds normal, right? Right? What do you think? You're the audio guy. I've never, well, I haven't heard him talk normally. Normally, right. Nobody even knows what he sounds like. I don't know. I've never heard of him before. He's a You had never heard of him? You know, it's interesting. I don't blame you for that because these characters don't loom as large as they used to. I mean, everybody's famous now, right? Kendall Jenner, all this stuff, you know, the TikTok stars. Nobody really breaks out anymore. The whole country watched Johnny Carson. I mean, uh, who were the senators in the 1980s? When I was growing up, Moynihan and D'Amato. Yeah, those guys were giant. Everybody knew who they were. I would watch the news on Long Island. I knew who the uh, buildings commissioner was. I mean, every, like these guys were big. They ran the world. I remember being actually like, wow, I just saw a celebrity. I just saw Victor Gottbaum. <laughs> Anybody remember the name Victor Gottbaum? He was, um, he was like a big labor lawyer. People like that. They were huge. And not anymore, not anymore. These guys and the senators know it. And the, oh, you think it's t- the congressmen, the members of Congress? They are so starved for attention. I mean, there are like six of them that anybody knows. The rest of them, I saw a press conference yesterday. They each had to introduce themselves. You know, hi, my name is John Smith. I represent Tennessee's uh, fifth district. You know, like they just nobody knows who they are. So they got to. Uh, we know who Matt Gates is. We know who uh, McCarthy is. We know who uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and uh, the other one from Colorado who was just in the movie theater, who I like, by the way, Lauren Boebert. Give me a break. She's off duty. She's not. She's separated from her husband. What kind of country is this? What kind of culture is it? You can't snuggle up in a movie theater and, you know, gosh, you can't do it. What is this, Iran? What is this, the Amish? I mean, it sounded like they were taking off their clothes. It looked like they were hugging a little bit. So What? All over the place. Can you believe? What a phony, hypocritical society, right? You know, in the, in the one hand, totally decadent, and then over-the-top prudish at the same time. Come on. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, uh, that's me. Hi, James Flippin. Hey, what's up, Greg? Um, hey, what's up? That sounds very urgent. <laughs> you are the news guy. I, want- I have I have urgency on the mind. Breaking news. Yeah, really. Headlines. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, <laughs> what's going on? Hey, hello. What's up? Um, all right, now now you want to smoke a duber? <laughs> hey, I am going to point this out. You know who's going to be on the show later on? Mark Levin, the great one. Mark Levin. He's got a new book out. The Democrat Party hates America. You listen to Mark every night here from six to nine. Awesome broadcaster. Awesome lawyer. Awesome uh, historian. Uh, you know, he worked for Ronald Reagan. Uh, he learned radio from Rush Limbaugh. He is. Uh, He's one of the very, very best. Hard for me, quite frankly, to conceive of America, how much more trouble we'd be in if Mark uh, weren't commanding that massive audience. And uh, it's not only great information, but it's hope, companionship. He offers humor. Um, but uh, this book, I, I really liked his last one, Unfreedom of the Press. 
And uh, the Democrat Party hates America. You know, a couple of years ago, I would say, oh, that, 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 that's a target. You can't, you can't say that. Oh, well, yeah, this is a, the aptly named book, The Democrat Party Hates America, because what they are doing is fundamentally destroying America. And uh, anytime I, I meet somebody who's like, that's not true, I, I show them the picture. I call it the monster. It's a monster who's in a public school classroom. With a five-year-old kid, and this is a, a a drag queen hanging out with a five-year-old kid. Now you could be a drag queen, uh, you know, downtown at night, whatever, you know, more drag queen in your home, drag queen on the street, drag queen anywhere. If you do it right, I and throw a party. I might come. I mean, I'm not going to dress up like that, but it's not my thing. But if it's your thing, that's fine. There's a lot of things I'm into. Uh, we're not going to have the kids show up though. Right? Right? Right. Until about 10 seconds ago (laughs) when the federal government is saying that boys can use the girls' room and girls can use the boys' room in grammar school, in middle school, in high school, that boys can play girls' sports and girls can play boys' sports. It's insane. It's monstrous. Not to mention un-American and... um, that's what the Democrat that that is one of the fundamental things. I mean, you could say, "Oh, that's just a culture war issue." Well, uh, you know, we don't. <laughs> you could just dismiss it as a fringe issue. If you got children of school age, it's the most important issue. The most important issue. Anyway, James. All right. So news wise, what's happening? Over well, there? I don't know. Uh, just connecting to that last story you were talking about. Did you see where? California Governor Gavin Newsom struck down that bill last Friday that would have required judges in child custody cases to consider whether or not parents have affirmed their child's gender identity. In essence, they have this standard that's based on, like, you know, care, uh, nurture, you know, all this kind of stuff that the court looks at when it comes to taking care of a kid. And now they uh, Newsom struck it down. He said he couldn't sign off on it, but the bill would have required judges to consider that when deciding custody cases. I don't really quite understand what you said. Sorry. So, like, in essence, I guess the standard by which custody cases are decided typically go back to things like, you know, how well are you caring for the kid? Are you nurturing their environment? Are you providing all these different... And whether or not parents have affirmed their child's chosen gender identity. So that's brand new. So the gender issue, Gavin Newsom has said... The judges can't be messing with it. The, the, they can't consider that when, you know, for a child custody. All yeah. right. Oh, well. But it came and, close. Well, and it's like, oh, wow. I'm supposed to think Gavin Newsom. Wow. That's a, re- that's really good. Good for Gavin Newsom. Maybe I was wrong about that guy. Maybe he's not the freak that I know he is. It is a BS move at the 11th hour, right? All that crazy nonsense that's going on, right? And he does this thing designed to like, Maybe, hmm, no, it's not going to work, all right? That guy's responsible for so much of the crap that's happening. And, I mean, California is like 10% of the country, 10%. He has signed up for every crazy lunatic idea, and now he's playing a game like this. I can appear like a moderate. It ain't going to work. And in our backyard, you know, in New Jersey, they have that official policy where schools can't tell parents if a child's changed their gender identity or changed the bathroom that they use. That's actually policy from Trenton where you can't tell parents. In public schools? Yeah. 
Wait, I knew that they were kicking this thing around. That is the policy in public schools. That's the official New Jersey policy that you're not supposed to tell parents. And then, of course, there's a couple schools in central Jersey. I know Manalapan is one of them that has sued, in essence, to say, no, we want to know what's going on with our kids. And it's being caught up in the courts right now. What time is it? 2.40? How quickly can I be in New Jersey to protest this crap? <laughs> no, seriously. I mean, right now, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so interesting that it's not commanding the kind of attention that it should. So parents, like, you know, the first thing I want to know when I pick up my daughter from school or drop her off, how is she doing? What's new? You know, tell me what's going on. Right. And they'll say, oh, uh, you know, she was wonderful today or, you know, she uh, – uh, she pulled some girl's hair. You know, I mean, I want to know everything that happened. Well, and the moment she starts saying she's uh, taking off her dress and trying to wear pants, I think I should know that. Right? Yeah, I mean, she I wants everybody people... to call her Joseph instead of Annalise. I think I need to know that. Now, you're saying that if, if she starts calling herself Joseph instead of Annalise, that's not my business as a parent if I'm in New Jersey. Right, because in essence, what the Murphy administration has said is they're worried about parents or households that won't be affirming of that kind of thing. Good God. You know, Murphy, what a freak you turned out to be, huh? Every now and then I would run into somebody said, oh, no, Murphy's a, you know, he's a good guy, you know, and he's a common sense guy, uh, you know, Wall Street background, but he doesn't mess around. You freak. You and the rest of them. My God. You're so, I can't imagine where the, how, where did you go wrong, Murphy? You got millions and millions of dollars. You got to be governor. I guess the latest is he wants to be president, right? How, where in the hell did this country, it's, it's, it's satanic. It is satanic. They're after our children. Good God, what has happened? Murphy, you're on my list. Let's do everything we can to get this guy out of office some way, somehow. Impeachment proceedings, recall. I don't know what it's going to take. Remember when he called everybody in New Jersey, white? if you don't vote for me, you're a white supremacist? Remember that stuff? Remember? Do you remember? Nobody remembers now, right? All right, do me a favor. Let's get that, all right? Because it's an amazing moment. He barely won that race to newcomer and relative uh, unknown Jack Cittarelli. Too bad he didn't win. Damn it. Damn it. And then staying in New Jersey, uh, Cory Booker, the junior senator, is now calling on Bob Menendez to resign. Yeah, I, I saw that. Well, he's this is no profile and courage on um, um, uh, Booker's part. This, they, they had a meeting. You know what I mean? They had a meeting and like they figured, okay, this is doing us more harm than good having him around. Uh, what's his name is not going to resign though because um, this is one of the, the 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 chips you want to hold on to when you're negotiating with prosecutors. You don't want to give this power away. You could say, you know, in plea arrangements, you say, okay, um, I don't want to go to jail. What if I resign the office? Sometimes they'll take that, you know, as like sufficient penance. Although this guy, they want to throw in jail, no matter if he's a senator or an ex-senator. So, um, Cory Booker, huh? Um, boy, what up? Whatever happened to that guy? Seriously, whatever happened to him? Where is he on this issue? You know where he is? He's as woke and weird as the rest of them. Woke and weird as the rest of them. He played it too cute, though. He played it. Remember, he ran for president in 2020. By the time he did, he's old news. I mean, how many documentaries can we have about this guy? How many books? How many New York Times glowing pieces? Enough. Like, he's old news now. And that Buttigieg just stole all of his thunder. All of his thunder. What else? Uh, we also have New York City officials in court today. They're hoping to convince a judge to 
allow for migrants to be exempt from the city's right to shelter law. You know, basically what Adams wants to do is cut the number of days that migrants can be uh, housed in shelters under that right to shelter law from 60 to 30 days. So New York City officials are trying to cut that time down. And then also there was that St. John Villa Academy ruling handed down today. You know, we've had some protests there that uh, Curtis Lewa was involved in out on Staten Island. There were migrants being housed there. Now the judge says, no, the city can't do that. So St. John Villa Academy, a, a vacant school out on Staten Island, it has been housing migrants. Court ruling today says, no, you can't do that anymore. Probably you'll be appealed. Get them out. Oh, really? Probably. All right. Yeah. Stay where you are. No, we want them out. We want them out. You know, it's funny. Um, it's sad. It's pathetic. These losers who become office holders. It's a big job, mayor. And I told you how he got it. 200,000 people voted for him on the last day of school. Ranked choice voting, presto changeo, this guy. Last day of school is the mayor with real power. And with that power, uh, he doesn't know how to use it. Um, and he invited all these people. He invited this problem on himself, on all, and, and, and us. And now he's like literally screaming and crying. He has no idea what to do, but he's playing the Gavin Newsom game, you know, trying to be now like we, this is a problem and it's going to hearth, harm the city. Like suddenly he sounds like a reasonable person. Remember, he, this is a problem that he created in large part. They didn't have to, he didn't have to get into that silly fight with, uh, Governor Abbott. Uh, and he wants the New York Post to like him. Just like Gavin Newsom. I'm sure he's going to get a positive story uh, or two from the conservative press. Uh, the people who don't have a kind of a long term, you know, view of things. What else? Uh, well, you know, Greg, we always cover New York Jets news on this show. And legendary quarterback Joe Namath called Zach Wilson's performance over the weekend disgusting. And then sports producer Mike DeDino was telling me just before I came in here that the Jets have signed veteran QB Trevor Simeon to a contract to potentially compete with Wilson for the starting job since Aaron Rodgers is on the shelf with that Achilles. Yeah, um, that's pretty harsh. Joe Namath is such a nice guy. What did he say? What's the folk? He just said disgusting. Uh, he, he basically said that his performance was disgusting and that we don't need to see any more of that. I mean, he's, he's frustrated. You know, Jets fans are very frustrated because they always lose to the New England Patriots. Um, I think it's like 12 straight games, 13 straight games. Somebody like pointed out to me that you can tell Zach Wilson isn't a good quarterback because of his face. He's got too much of a baby face. It's like Cherubic, sort of. Yeah, it's too much of a baby face to be Curtis a... Lee calls him Donny Osmond. Yeah, he's on at something. <laughs> wow. Yeah, they, they're right. There's too much, like, he's just too happy-go-lucky. You need the eye of the tiger to be a quarterback. You need to be a killer, a little bit. And just like that's the other reason why Aaron Rodgers, uh, uh, you know, we don't have to go through that again. Or what yeah, but, the hell? He, but he's going to be a Hall of Famer, though, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he already made his bones before he started smoking the weed and drinking that dopey tea all the time and telling others to do it. You know, athletes, you just be straightforward. You know, eat your Wheaties, do your exercise, and uh, you too can be a champ. Now it's, if you have the calling to take the tea, you have to take the tea. <laughs> and it was a mind-opening experience, and now I am capable of yeah, but self- what about Excuse me. I am capable of self-love because of the tea. <laughs> and my tea master said I should come back, so here I am. I mean, uh, self-love. From what I can tell of Aaron Rodgers, he's never been deficient in the self-love category. All right? I've just seen none of these athletes. They, about- they, they get worship from the time they're in fourth grade because they, you know, the best athletes basically start to break out very, very young, right? Fourth grade, you know, the best athlete in fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, in high school, 
high school, high school. Uh, you know, you know how what jerks the high, the football guys were sometimes, not yeah, all, but, but, but most but Nick, of the time, Nicky. not all the time. There was one cool football player who was like, anyway, high school is a really. Did you have fun in high school? Yeah, I, I was the captain of the football team. As a matter of fact, are you serious? <laughs> you? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You don't seem big enough. Number one. That's why I'm like you. Well, I mean, what was your position? I, I played center and linebacker. Um. Wow. All right, and I was undersized for a center. Were you a big man on campus? I mean, it's a small. It was a small school, but and the football team wasn't good. I wasn't a jerk. <laughs> James, you were so cool for just one second, and then you ruined the football it. team. I, I, I right, too the honest. football team wasn't good. But can All I right. just say that Mickey Mantle and Lawrence Taylor weren't drinking tea, and they're legends. Yeah. Um. Back to you in football in high school, and you're you're there, and um, well, did you know at that point about? My sexuality? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, were you conflicted about it? Was it like a, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, we probably don't have enough time. To, maybe we do. But, I mean, like, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there was definitely internal, um, you know, stuff that I had to go through and kind of things that I had to come to terms with over yeah. time. Yeah. Well, look, puberty is tough on everybody. Sure. High school is tough on everybody. And whatever the reason is, you know, your orientation, your um, acne, you know, it's just all and a problem. We talked about it on air, too, before, you know, like my, you know, Christian faith and kind of thinking about that type of stuff when it comes to, uh, you know, sexuality and relationships. It's a factor. But, um, yeah, no, but in terms of football, that that was never really a, a, a concern. Did they vote for you for the captain? How did that, how's that Actually, work? Actually, that was only, that was the cat, that was the coach. Uh, we only had five seniors my senior year because, you know, Small school, a lot of that class played soccer, and um, there was a couple other guys that could have been. I could have been the too. captain of this football you team, it been. sounds like. You should have been. <laughs> so the coach said you? Yeah. Why you? Um, I think that there was an aspect of, like, you know, my dedication, you know, like the, the amount of time in the weight room, you know, the fact that I'd been a, a letterman uh, the three years prior, and kind of just, you know, whatever he saw in me as a leader. All right, as we wrap up on this, I want to I want to go to uh, Candace Owens for a moment, all okay. right? Candace Owens. She said this in you know Candace Owens, I do. Is, she's amazing. She happens to be black and she happens to uh, to have no fear. And she said this all the way back in 2019. I want you to listen to this. Cut 28, please. Bottom line is that white supremacy, racism, national white nationalism, words that once held real meaning have now become nothing more than election strategies. Every four years, the black community has offered handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Reparations and white nationalism. This is the Democrat preview. Yep. <laughs> she is so right. It happened in 2020. It's happening. It's happened throughout the Biden administration, but now he's really turning it up a notch. He spoke at the Congressional Black Caucus, and what was there? Um, handouts and fear. Handouts and fear. Listen to this. Handouts and fear. Cut 29. Commitment that I would increase the number of those contracts going to African-American small businesses by double to 10%. That will bring 15%. That will bring, by 2025, 15%. That will mean an additional $100 billion going to black small businesses. $100 billion. Because far too often, it's still the case, you can get killed or attacked walking the streets of America just because you're black or because you're wearing a symbol of your faith. Thanks to my Justice 40 initiative, 40% of all the benefits that flow from climate investments must flow directly to disadvantaged and underserved communities, like electrifying school buses so kids don't have to breathe polluted air 
the diesel buses. And this all this matters. Their veins bulging and chanting the same <laughs> anti-Semitic bile. The racist bile we heard in Germany in the 30s. Neo-Nazis. The Ku Klux Klan. White supremacists. And in the process of this ugly demonstration, a young woman was murdered. Ah, my God. Oh, my God. All right. So people are getting murdered every day. Handouts in fear. Handouts in fear, right? Yeah. Just, like, just like she said. Um, all right. Do me a favor. Stay. I, is that wild or what? I'm going to play that from Mark Levin. You think you'll like it? I mean, I think I really would like to get his take because I don't think any leader in the world badmouths their country as much as Joe Biden badmouths his. We'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, and we're all listening to Dennis in Boundbrook, New Jersey. Hi, Dennis. Hello? Hello? Yeah, you're on the air. Oh, yeah. Hey, Greg. Uh, Dennis, how are you? Fine, fine. What's good, up? Good. Yeah, Greg, the reason I called is this. Uh, I was listening to the speech with uh, Biden there, the usual crap, white supremacy, Ku Klux Klan. And you would be the guy. Why doesn't anybody in the media ever talk about the fact that black males make up 7% of the population, 50% of the murders, and 95% of the people that they kill are other blacks? Yet I'm, as a white person, I'm, that we have this image, if you're white, I wake up in the morning and say, let me see if I can shoot a black person. Enough of this crap. And the media never talks about it. They let him get away with that garbage. Uh, I don't know if you're exactly right on the statistics, but you're pretty damn close. And, um, yeah, I mean, this is, this is outrageous. And it's not brand new though. All right. And Ben Ward, anybody remember, does anybody remember Ben Ward? He was the police commissioner under Ed Koch. And he used to call black on black crime our dirty little secret. And you have, uh, you know, the, the white supremacy. I mean, what the hell has happened in this country? Where are the white supremacists? Bill O'Reilly studied this. You know how many white supremacists were arrested in 2021? Three. Who committed crimes? I mean, it's ludicrously small to make it a national priority. So, uh, as you know, um, we talk about it aggressively because it's a real problem and I think it has real solutions. Uh, more fathers sticking around. Barack Obama once had the guts to talk about it. Um, a lot of people in the media though are vapid and afraid and they fear the mob. And if you talk about race and granted, you know what? It is a touchy subject. It's easy to offend people, uh, but there are some uncomfortable truths, and we're having a silly conversation about race in America to avoid having a consequential, important one. And uh, that's how I feel about that. Uh, I'm in my own way. I'm doing my part. You know what? I wish Barack Obama addressed it, but he didn't. So it falls to people like us, Dennis. Uh, the, the stats I got to check at seven. I think it was like twelve percent and something else there. But you're you're right. Thank you, Dennis. Okay, all good. Thanks, Greg. Appreciate you bet. It. See you. Mark Levin is uh, coming up in a little bit. I am very excited to talk with him. His new book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh, Hello. A manhunt is underway for the husband of the Bronx daycare worker, uh, the daycare owner, rather, we remember that little beautiful one-year-old boy, uh, the fentanyl wound its, found its way into his body because they were keeping drugs all over the place. This happened up in the, um, in the Bronx and, uh, just awful. 
and uh, the other children, number of them are in the hospital suffering from fentanyl poisoning, drug overdose. Imagine that when you're three years old, suffering from a drug overdose. So it's believed that the uh, owner of the daycare center was holding the drugs for her drug-dealing husband, who is out there somewhere, and we'd like to find... The police would like to have a conversation with him. All right, fair enough. That is, you know, a kid, one, you know, the name, and then just the numeral one. All right, we're up to 18 Democrat senators who say that Menendez should resign. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, he probably should. I don't know. I mean, if, if he's guilty and it looks pretty bad, the thing that a lot of people have overlooked, though, is he was pressuring a U.S. attorney to go easy on a friend of his who um, allegedly was giving uh, Menendez gold bars and cash money. OK, now that's a very crude version of the slightly more sophisticated scheme that the Bidens had going. Right. Burisma. $83,000 a year. They're being hassled by this guy, Shokin, the uh, prosecutor. And Joe has a word with Poroshenko. Can you get to this guy? Can you get rid of him? Uh, now, people will say, well, that was the policy of the United States of America. Yeah, well, who sets the policy? Hmm? It was the policy of the uh, European Union, yeah? You think a vice president of the United States might have a, I don't know, a way to cajole the... European Union into having a policy on some, in the big scheme of things, fairly trivial matter. I'd love to find out from Joe Biden, how many prosecutors in the world did you personally lobby to have removed from office? How much do we want to bet it's just Ukraine? Where, oh, by the way, his son was working at Burisma, at a firm being investigated by Shokin. Now, some people are saying, well, Brian Kilmeade had Poroshenko on the other day. Yes, he had actually Shokin on, did a very good job, very interesting uh, interview. And Poroshenko showed up. Now, the only thing is Poroshenko badmouthed Shokin. And to Joe Biden, he said, well, this guy, is a, he's done nothing wrong, but as a favor to you, I will get rid of him. Well, Poroshenko <clears throat> didn't actually take any of that back, as far as I could see. He just said, Shokin, I haven't talked to him in four years, and he's crazy. I don't like him anymore. Well, four years ago was what year? 2019. Let's say it was five years ago. That's 2018. Joe was pushing for the ouster of this guy, I think, in 2015, 2014, 2015. So that's, uh, yeah, that's back when he was vice president. And uh, <laughs> in a in beautiful fashion, uh, Donald Trump enumerated all of this in the first debate. In the first debate, no, I'm sorry, the second debate with Kristen Welker. And again, these clips are... Are hard to find, but they are a goldmine of of fascinating insight that Donald Trump was providing. It's interesting that they always said, "Oh, he's saying that without evidence." Without no, what does that mean actually? Without evidence, he's the president of the United States. It is possible that the president of the United States, especially a billionaire president like Donald Trump, uh, might have access to information that they don't, or might just have more knowledge. Then media, they are now in a position, if they can't Google something in 10 seconds, it must not be a fact. There's no substantiation. And when they Google anything about Joe Biden, it's usually a bunch of websites saying, fact check, that's wrong. Fact check, uh, Hunter Biden did not profit from Burisma, you know, stuff like that. Fact check, Donald Trump was wrong. No, fact check. They're just talking to each other. Little Brooklynites 
uh, some people in you know, little 20-something urbanites. That's like 90% of the media these days. 20-something, so they, as one senior aide to Barack Obama once said, they literally know nothing. They know nothing. It's They just have absolutely no knowledge of anything, no historical context. They're not seeking it. This generation, I talked about this, uh, is the first one that seems to be, like, proud of their lack of knowledge. All right, so who's waiting for that big debate tomorrow? It's not that big. It's on Fox News Channel. Fox News is uh, very touchy lately, very, very touchy. What happened on Fox News? Well, uh, Trump was talking about uh, the last debate and how poorly it did in the ratings. And my interview with Tucker Carlson was doing great. And this is a speech yesterday. And as soon as he they, he said Tucker Carlson, they got the hell out of that, out of that. Look, Fox News, um, it's kind of like complaining about the phone company. You know, we need the phone company, right? But we can complain about the phone company. There's a lot I like about Fox. There's a lot they've disappointed me on over the years. But they do have some very good people. Uh, they got some rhinos, uh, to be sure. The debate tomorrow night is going to be at the Reagan Library, hosted by Dana Perino. It's very nice. Uh, slavishly devoted to the Bushes. Hates Trump. <laughs> totally. That's, you got to know that about her. She hates Trump. Hey, there are a lot of people who hate Trump. Uh, I disagree, but she hates Trump. Stuart Varney, who's very good over there, and somebody, I think, from Telemundo or Univision, one of those places. And... Um, Ada Hutchinson will not be there, but Nikki Haley will. Oh, did you hear about Nikki Haley? Now the truth can be told. How did she get that job? Why did Trump make her the U.N. ambassador, which is like a feather in her cap? She's a she's just a governor of South Carolina. You know, it helps somebody with presidential ambition, a little bit of international experience. So he made her, even though she said awful things about Trump. Awful, horrendous things about Trump. And endorsed Marco Rubio at the moment of truth. He didn't know her anything. But he made her the UN ambassador, which is a plum job. It's an easy job. Why? Why did that happen? Well, uh, I guess it now it can be told. Now it can be told that it wasn't about giving Nikki Haley a good job. It was about hooking up the lieutenant governor of South Carolina. A guy named McMaster, who I'm told is a great guy, bent over backwards to help Trump win the South Carolina primary, which was competitive. And he had not clinched the nomination. It was a really important race. Now, he ultimately won it, won it big time. But he had to go running around like crazy, and uh, he won it in large part thanks to this guy, McMaster, Lieutenant Governor McMaster. So after election, it's true in politics. You want to help. You want to, you know, hey, I got some jobs to fill. You want to do something? What job do you want, Mr. McMaster, Lieutenant Governor McMaster? Come to D.C. I'll make you secretary of this, secretary of that. He's qualified to do those jobs. He said, you know what? I want to be the governor of South Carolina, but Nikki Haley is in the way. <laughs> Don't worry about that, uh, Lieutenant Governor McMaster. We'll take care of her. And they did. How do you get her out of office? Give her a plum featherweight job in New York. I mean, being the ambassador, you don't have any real leeway. The big thing is you get to vote on stuff, right? Well, you vote the way the Secretary of State and the President tell you to vote. So it's a job that is pretty easy, uh, lots of prestige, maybe too much prestige. Who's had it in the past? Some pretty big heavyweights, Adelaide Stevenson, uh, George H.W. Bush, Gene Kirkpatrick. Uh, who else? This guy, John Negroponte, who's still around. 
Um, pretty impressive guy, although, like everybody else, wrong on Iraq, wrong on the Iraq war, was sitting there when we lied about weapons of mass destruction. Uh, Moynihan, Daniel Patrick Moynihan. Anyway, it's a big job. She got it because they just wanted to get her out of the way. And then I think they told her to beat it, get lost because, you know, she, remember, she just kind of resigned. So Nikki Haley, though, they're, they're really trying to push her over there at Fox. Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley, Nikki Haley. They, they're comfortable with her. She's very much an establishment person. Uh, she's a big leaker. I'm not crazy about her in part because the very first thing she said, the very first thing out of her mouth, you know, why she should be the, um, why she should be president is because I'm not white. I'm not black. I am different. Like, who cares? I mean, the first word, I mean, we, didn't we go through that with, with Obama? I think we did, right? We went, we, we, we don't need that. So it's going to be kind of a non-event. I don't know what happened to Vivek Ramaswamy. We used to hear about Vivek all the time. I like him, but it seems like the word went out. Uh, no more Vivek. It's got to be Nikki. Anyway, here's Ronna McDaniel who was occasionally trustworthy. I don't know. She's the RNC chief. Cut 27, please. Cut 27. I want him to attend a debate. And he knows that. Everybody knows. I think the other candidates also want him to attend a debate. I hope that before January that he comes to a debate and participates in that process. Mm, It's like she's producing a TV show, right? I mean, is it good for the party? Is it good for your number one uh, contender? To subject themselves to that. No, it's not. He could only go down, actually, at this point. He could only go down. No matter how good he is, is he going to increase a 60-point lead? So you can't do that. Uh, Trump, oh, by the way, was in South Carolina yesterday, beating Nikki Haley, who was the governor of that state. It's another, the other thing is she claims credit for Boeing and BMW and all this manufacturing that's going on. She says it out loud. We we call it the beast of the southeast. We made South Carolina the manufacturing capital of the world. And I'm like, uh, well, weren't they making Mercedes there in the 90s? And I looked it up. Yeah, they were. Didn't Boeing start a plant there in like 2007 before she became governor? Yeah, they did. Uh, but like politicians, they're always claiming credit where they deserve none. All right, let's go back to Trump in South Carolina yesterday. Cut 23, please. Cut 23. Every time the radical Democrats, Marxists, communists, and fascists, and that's what they are, every time they indict me, I consider it a great badge of honor. I'm being indicted for you. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. (laughs) Uh, What other? Cut 22 at uh, South Carolina yesterday. If it were up to Crooked Joe Biden, every single job here at Sportsman Boats would be shipped off to another country. Biden puts China first, Mexico first, Ukraine first, Europe first, Asia first, illegal aliens first, above our great veterans, you know that. Puts the illegal aliens above our veterans. Our veterans live like hell. And uh, you know what, you see what's happening. You ever see the illegal aliens? The one, the weirdest thing, they come in by the tens of thousands, sometimes a day, and they all have, they have cell phones. I'm saying, where did they get the cell phones? Everybody has a cell phone. They're all talking on these beautiful cell phones. And they're expensive ones, too. They're nice ones. Somebody who's into that said, those are good phones. And then I say, who who pays their bills? Who's paying the bills, Marjorie? You want to check that? I'll give it to Marjorie. She'll figure that one out fast. No, but you ever notice? They're all coming in with cell phones. Our veterans don't have cell phones, do they? But 
They put illegal aliens first and everyone first, but he puts America last. He puts our military last. He puts our veterans last. He puts workers last. He puts small businesses last. He puts everything that's good and proper last. He puts it last. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. They do have those fancy cell phones. They got the Android cell phone. The Android. That's a fancy one. I can't, um, and the latest Apple phone and all that stuff. Now, veterans have phones too. I think you got a slight, maybe misspoke. Um, man, they're really hammering away on Rudy, and I know that he will be fully restored and protected throughout all of this nonsense. The poor man, oh man, oh man. He's the one truth teller in all of this, and they're still out to cancel him. You're messing with the wrong guy. You will all learn your lesson. Those countersuits are underway, right? And uh, suing Joe Biden for calling him a Russian spy. Yeah, keep your eye on that one. That's real. Hunter, losing the laptop, that's on you. And thanks for confirming it again that it's real. Suing Rudy Giuliani because he looked at your laptop. You should have. <laughs> I think he wanted to be. I think he wanted to be discovered, don't you? Hunter, all that stuff. Just leaves it there so, right? What's going on there? Some sort of father, son, something or other. Be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. If Joe Biden is not uh, forced out of the race by Halloween or Thanksgiving, I'm also told that there's a scenario that a lot of Democrats are talking about because they see these numbers. They see him losing to Donald Trump in a head-to-head matchup. They see that 74% of Americans believe that Joe Biden's mental uh, decline is a serious issue. NBC News reporting that. Um, they know that this guy, in a fair and square contest, can't beat Trump. They have to know that. So come Thanksgiving, there's this uh, understanding or wish because Joe's a kind of, maybe he's gone rogue. Maybe he's gone rogue. But they're going to sit him down at, um, at Thanksgiving. And, uh, that will be the time, at least for like face saving, right? You can say we talked about it as a family and then decided, um, you know, it's, it's best. And his legacy will be quote unquote beating Trump in 2020 and all these other crazy liberal things that he did to spoil the country. Uh, there's that scenario. There's also the scenario that I think is uh, very likely that some damning audio tape could emerge at any moment, revealing unbridled corruption. And then there is the scenario where he will be deprived of the nomination in the same way he received the nomination. How did Joe Biden become the nominee? You got to think back. What was going on in 2020 in January and February? You know what was going on? Joe Biden was losing (laughs) races all over the place. He came in fourth place in Iowa. He came in fifth place in New Hampshire. You know, they say there are, in politics, uh, there are three tickets out of Iowa. First place, second place, third place. If you're you're lower than that, you're finished. And then there are two tickets out of New Hampshire. He didn't get any tickets. He didn't get any tickets whatsoever. Uh, he loses Iowa. He loses New Hampshire. Other people of, you know, exciting people. Amy Klobuchar is doing better. Pete Buttigieg, you know, everyone's in love with that guy. Um, these other guys are, you know, they're creaming him. Yet they get to South Carolina and a man named James Clyburn, an old party hack in the worst sense of the world. And a backroom deal is made. He endorses Biden publicly and then 
immediately, immediately, everybody drops out of the race. Boom, 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 boom. Some didn't even wait for the primary. They just dropped out on the spot. I mean, if you win Iowa, you come in second place in uh, New Hampshire. That's what Buttigieg did. Don't you kind of wait it out through Super Tuesday? Right? What happened? They decided. And you know what that isn't? That isn't democracy. You know, they're always talking about democracy so self-righteously. Our democracy is in peril. Does that sound like a democracy? That uh, James Clyburn, whoever the hell he is, decides that it's going to be Joe Biden? Hmm? One little group, the Congressional Black Caucus, made this decision? You know, James Clyburn, I kind of blew this up yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I, I noticed that he was... Uh, I mean, interesting in his defense of Joe Biden, they asked him, isn't it kind of wrong for Hunter Biden to be running around trading in on his family's name? And he's like, uh, well, um, mm, um, not really. <laughs> and he talks about how he wants his daughters to benefit from his last name. He used that word benefit from the Clyburn last name. And they have. Oh, boy, have they had they've had this federal job. They've been on that commission. All these little easy federal jobs it's called patronage actually when it's family it's nepotism may not be unseemly but it is very very swampy and you know that congressman mark levin when we come back greg kelly entertaining and informative on the red apple podcast network Well, we are privileged and honored to be joined by Mark Levin, uh, the great one. You hear him on, uh, you hear him on the radio every night, six to nine, uh, commands a massive audience, uh, a great broadcaster, a great lawyer, a great veteran of the Reagan administration. How many people can say that out there active every day trying to save this country? His latest book, uh, I think probably his most important book, The Democrat Party Hates America by Mark R. Levin, available wherever books are sold. Uh, Mark Levin, welcome. How are you, sir? I am great. I am a huge fan of yours and your dad's, of course. Just uh, And by the way, your dad must be so disgusted what's happening in his city, as are you, as is everybody. But I mean, he in particular considering how he brought peace to that city, you know? Thank you, Mark. Yeah, no, it's heartbreaking uh, for him and for all of us. This is so unnecessary and and so unfair. You're trying to raise a family in this city. Yeah. You know, a year ago, maybe five years ago, the Democrat Party hates America. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's a little much. But I think it's so apt and so <laughs> right on the money. Um, tell us a little bit about why this book, Why Now?, I'll tell you, because we're watching everything going around us, and people are talking about it. We own radio, people on TV, and I said, all right, let me do a deep dive into this party, because the Democrat Party is responsible for all of this. You look what's going on in New York City right now, from illegal immigration to crime in the streets to um, poverty, uh, the lack of school choice. I could go on and on. The quality of life has sunk below, even when I think Dinkins was in there and some others. and. Um, um, who's responsible for this? You know, it's time as a nation that we hold people to account. We talk about this all the time. We talk about these things going on in the country, and they are horrific. But they don't just happen. Mother Nature isn't doing these things. Um, the Democrat Party's behind it all. And the, I looked at research, went way back on the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party has never 
uh, accept Americanism. It's never accepted the Declaration and the Bill of Rights, the Constitution generally. It's never accepted a colorblind society. It's always involved in the issue of race, whether it's anti-black racism, anti-white racism, now also racism against Asian Americans, anti-Semitism against Jews. This isn't a Republican Party history. It's a Democrat Party history. And when you hear these Democrats, these Marxists, who are projecting their own history onto the country, are projecting their own history onto the Republican Party, it's the greatest con that this nation's ever seen. These are the people who are responsible for segregation and slavery. These are the people who are responsible for uh, Jim Crow. They're the people responsible for lynching, for crying out loud, and the Ku Klux Klan. And then they pretend, oh, those are the Republicans from the South. And I demonstrate in the book, that's the biggest con there possibly could be. So let me get this straight as an example. You're a Klansman in the South. And you decide one day, you know what, I'm going to join the Republican Party that has spent its entire existence trying to blow me out. I'm going to join the Republican Party. Why would they join the Republican Party? So I get into the history of this, how they have lied, the propagandists. I go back to eugenics, which they promoted. And then I decide to take on some of their icons, Franklin Roosevelt, Lyndon Johnson. And the truth about these men, based on what they have said, what they've written, some of what other biographers have said, has been covered up. So many layers of veneer by, you know, some of the left-wing historians like Doris Kearns Goodwin, and she's certainly not alone, and other authors. FDR was a racist. He was a bigot. He was an anti-Semite. He was a socialist. Uh, and I explain it all in the book with endless footnotes. Lyndon Johnson, <clears throat> he never had an epiphany. He was a segregationist and a racist from the South. He was right up to the end. And then I explained the 64-65 Civil Rights Act, the 57 Civil Rights Act, where he was fighting it out with Eisenhower. Um, and so what did he change? He changed because he wanted to run for president. That's why he changed. It had absolutely nothing to do with his true views and so forth. And people around him said that. Audio which he had in his office. He used the N-word relentlessly, even right up to the end. And we can go on about that. I mean, in the book, I do. And so when you look at the Democrat Party, it's a chameleon party. Now, what do I mean by that? You have to look at the Democrat Party through the lens of power. It seeks to be the monopoly party. Most autocratic parties do. It is an autocratic party. It wants 100% control. It doesn't want to share power with any other party. So what happens in these autocracies, sometimes they have an opposition party, but they so weaken it, they so destroy it, that they go through the motions of these elections, and we're getting close to that. As long as the other party, they don't like the other party, but as long as the other party has no, no authority, no power, no guts, no substance, they're perfectly fine with it. You run, I mean, there's autocracies all over the world where they run against these phony parties. Remember the, uh, what was it, the Harlem Globetrotters always played against that team? What was it called? The Washington, Washington Generals. <laughs> yeah. As long as there's a Washington Generals basketball team on the court, they're perfectly happy with that. <laughs> so the Democrat Party is not your typical political party. It's an autocratic party that seeks to devour the culture and largely has, wants to control the instrumentalities of government, largely does, has a state-run media, largely does. And so as I explained in the first chapter of the book, 
while the Freedom House is describing the Chinese government, the Russian government, it describes the Democrat Party to a T. Censorship, uh, the scarlet letter, wokeism, if you don't abide by the language they want you to use, the thought processes that they demand. They don't want debate. They don't want uh, competition of ideas. They change the election laws. So now fraud becomes the law of the land. And so when you challenge it in court, they say, see, the, the courts, they, and none of them have ruled against it. No, of course not, because you've changed the laws. You've incorporated fraud into the laws, like voter harvesting, voting after the fact. I mean, is that not insane? So I get into all this in the book. Well, if you listen to Mark Levin or read his books, you will learn a lot. And the learning starts, I mean, I did not know this about Michelle Obama uh, she says something striking and revealing in Puerto Rico in 2008. You quote her in the book. Uh, for the sake of our uh, listeners, I have it actually all queued up. Uh, I'd like to, you to listen to this. What she says is uh, quite stunning. Uh, go ahead, Michelle Obama in 2008. And Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices. We are going to have to change our conversation. Uh, we're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place. Uh, as a nation to provide the kind of future that we all want desperately for our children. Now, I never heard that before. You have it in the book uh, very early on. It's, that's an incredible statement. How do you change history? What's this about changing tradition? What, what is she talking? She's talking about, I guess, communism. What, what What's going on there? It's 100% right. And I dug, I found that, and really nobody even talks about it or plays it. You know, we know about this fundamental transformation of America, which is bad enough. What in the hell does that mean? Change it into what and how? Most of us love this country. It doesn't mean you don't duke it out over policy, but they're not talking about duking it out over policy. They're talking about taking our founding, changing our history with the 1619 Project, critical race theory, destroying the family structure uh, with uh, the war on the, the uh, nuclear family. I mean, go down the list here and what she's talking about, doesn't she sound like a 1960s um, what, a communist, one of these student communist groups and so forth and so on that was over, trying to overthrow the country? Meanwhile, she lives the life of a Marxist. And I hope whatever media is listening who hate my guts and soon will hate your guts if they don't always don't don't already. I hope they take our words down carefully and accurately because here she is. And I say living like a Marxist, they're worth tens of millions of dollars. They basically live in the midst of luxuries. They're treated like kings and queens, like nobody else on the face of the earth. They take the benefits out of the country and they make money trashing the country because of what? Power, power. The Democrat Party wants power. It wants monopoly power over everything and anything. That's why it created this massive fourth branch of government that's not even in the Constitution. We're going to have a government shutdown. And it's not going to be because of Kevin McCarthy. It's going to be because the Democrats want to shut down. Why? Well, obviously politically, but more than that, they will do anything, Greg, to defend their bureaucracy. That bureaucracy works for the Democrat Party. It doesn't work for the American people. So they don't want to deny money and personnel. They want to increase the amount of money and personnel it gets. Look at the way they talk about a potential government shutdown. I look at it as Christmas. 
Okay, the government shut down for a week or two. Is that the end of the world? No, but they're going to make it seem like the end of the world. Meanwhile, these governors, like your guy Cuomo in that state, not your guy, your governor, look what he did to the state. He shut down the state. People died. People got sick. Businesses went out of business. People lost their jobs. Did you ever hear anybody say, oh, my God, what about child care or anything like that? You're hearing this now? So when the government shuts down like it's a long weekend or something, they pretend it's the end of the world. When they literally destroy small businesses and in the jobs of hardworking individuals and ensure that kids can't go to school, that's righteous because the government has ordered it. And so things are turned upside down. But so I decided in this book, it's not a book just about the superficial or the surface. I decided in this book to give a strong explanation of the ideology of this party, of why it was founded, of the history, how it lies about its past and tries to project it onto others, and how this is basically a, a, an alien type of revolutionary party that was never intended to even exist in this country, and the amount of impoverishment and hardship and racism and literally blood uh, it has spilled really against the American people. Joe Biden is the president, and it's it is so sad. It's sometimes f- almost f- comical. <laughs> this man, this liar, we know it. It's been documented for decades. And he did something over the weekend. If you don't mind, I'd like to play it for you. You know, Candace Owens talks about uh, the Democrat Party. It's always about handouts and fear, handouts and fear for the African-American community every every election cycle. That's exactly what Joe Biden did at, before the Congressional Black Caucus. Uh, this is, if you don't mind, uh, you got that? Go ahead. Bottom line. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Uh, Cut 29, if you don't mind. Sorry, Mark. Cut 29. Commitment that I would increase the number of those contracts going to African-American small businesses by double to 10 percent. That will bring 15 percent. That will bring by 2025, 15 percent. That will mean additional $100 billion going to black small businesses. $100 billion. Because far too often, it's still the case, you can get killed or attacked walking the streets of America just because you're black or because you're wearing a symbol of your faith. Thanks to my Justice 40 initiative, 40% of all the benefits that flow from climate investments must flow directly to disadvantaged and underserved communities, like electrifying school buses so kids don't have to breathe polluted air and diesel buses. And this always matters. Their veins bulging and chanting the same anti-Semitic bile, the racist bile we heard in Germany in the 30s, neo-Nazis, the Ku Klux Klan, white supremacists. And in the process of this ugly demonstration, a young woman was murdered. And when the president at the time was asked what happened, he said, quote, there were very fine people on both sides, very fine people on both sides. The anger, the lies. The, I, I, Mark, I wanted to ask you, it's a fundamental a job description. Like, you got to promote America. Uh, I, I, I can't imagine that President Xi or President Putin are running around their countries, bad-mouthing their countries like this guy does. What, I, I, the handouts in fear, and they're doing it again. 
don't your teeth grind when you hear this guy say these things? It's like, oh, my God, who would even want to be here? The fact of the matter is, as people read specifically chapter two and three of the book, they will see that the Democrat Party is the party of anti-Semitism, always has been. The so-called great Franklin Roosevelt, many of my faith Jews think did something for the Jews during the Holocaust. Yeah, he did. He didn't do something for them. He did something to them. His State Department refused to allow Jews to come into this country, even though the numbers were way under the cap. They had a quota for different ethnicities and faiths and so forth, <clears throat> even though these people were certainly going to face the gas chambers. And they did. And so he kept the numbers low. Congress found out about this not till 1944, and Congress was furious. In 1940, a bill hit the FDR's desk that would federally outlaw lynching in every corner of the country. Roosevelt wouldn't sign it. Now, why didn't he sign it? Because he's running for an unprecedented third term, and he was concerned he'd lose the South. In 1934, uh, I'm trying to remember when the FHA came into being in the New Deal. Uh, this is a New Deal program subsidizing mortgages. People still use it today, but they specifically excluded uh, funding for developments in black communities and communities around black areas. This is the New Deal in Roosevelt, and they circled it in a red pen. That's how we got the line redlining. comes right out of the New Deal. And uh, 1936 Olympics, all the white Olympians are invited to the White House, but they leave out the star, Jesse Owens. And in his biography, Jesse Owens is asked if Hitler snubbed him. He said, Hitler didn't snub me. I never met Hitler. Roosevelt snubbed me. He never even sent me a note, and he excluded me from this meeting. And so he would wind up voting for Roosevelt's opponent. Joe Lewis uh, was very critical of Roosevelt for refusing to sign that lynching bill. So he voted for uh, Thomas Dewey. Uh, the history of Franklin Roosevelt, when it comes to blacks, when it comes to Jews, is a horrendous history. And then I go back even further in the 1920s uh, when he was in Woodrow Wilson's Navy Department. Now, there was a spectacularly horrendous racist, another Democrat. But Roosevelt wrote things and said things. This is a young adult. This isn't some punk, you know, some punk kid about Jews, about blacks. Even when he was president, uh, he had his staff hire an anthropologist to do a study. He was curious about the what he called the admixture and intermixture of Europeans, of, of Southern Italians with Northern Italians. I mean, he was almost obsessed with this. And, of course, he rounded up 120,000 Japanese Americans, 70,000 of whom were American citizens, uh, because not because of World War II. He never trusted the Japanese. That's what he would say. You cannot mix European in Japanese blood and expected to turn out well. Mm. That's pretty much what he said. And of course, it took Ronald Reagan to actually pay, not reparations, but he gave money to the 60,000 survivors, not fourth or fifth generation, but survivors of those internment camps because their homes were taken without reimbursement, their properties were taken, their businesses were taken. And it turns out the Japanese were part of a union in World War II that had some of the most terrible casualties and had some of the greatest heroes. So there was no great evidence requiring the rounding up of Japanese Americans. And by the way, he also rounded up some German Americans and Italian Americans while he was at it. So can you imagine a Republican president doing any of these things? You know, they talk about Trump the way they talk about him, the way they used to talk about Reagan. I'm telling you, when people 
finish reading this book. Please give it to a Democrat. I'm not talking about a zombie activist, but give it to a Democrat, particularly a black American, and say, please read chapter two, because I think their entire knowledge base about the Democrat Party is filled with lies. I love it. The Democrat Party hates America. Uh, think of somebody. You read it, and then you got to pass it on. Mark, we're up against a break. If you don't mind, uh, i got like two more questions for you that I've always wanted to ask you. Can you stick around just for a little bit longer? Well, you're doing me a favor. You bet. Thank okay. You. Thank you. We'll be right back with Mark Levin. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, I'm sorry, we're all just about out of time. Mark Levin, the Democrat Party hates America. Please go out and buy it. It's amazingly informative and enlightening. Mark Levin, in about 30 seconds, when did you realize you were a conservative? Uh, as soon as I could talk, I think. <laughs> Honest to God, I uh, my parents laugh. You think I'm conservative now? You should have seen me when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. I've always been conservative. I've always liked liberty and I've always believed in it. I've always done my own thing and gone my own way. You can't do that without liberty. We are so grateful that that that, that is the path uh, that was designed, I guess, by God for you. Mark Levin, get the book, The Democrat Party Hates America. Thank you, Mr. Great One. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.